All right, so uh, today's a little different, and uh, we, we've said for the past several weeks, uh, today's different, today's different, today's different, and the Lord just has a lot in store for us, and we're always ready to, to move and adjust as the Lord leads. And so you know that we uh, started several months ago walking through the Gospel of John together, and, uh, and we've been making our way through the Gospel of John uh, pretty quickly. And uh, so we found ourselves in John 9 last week. And uh, I woke up yesterday just uh, in response to questions from this past week, thinking, hey, we need another week on what we touched on last week. And I want to do some training around that and do some equipping around that. And so we said, hey, let's call an audible uh, and, and kind of make some adjustments for today. And so you're like, man... Now, here's the thing. We set out with the Gospel of John in 2025, 2024, we were going to hit the resurrection in the Gospel of John on Easter Sunday. So are we messing it all up? No, like the Lord has a great plan for us and we're going to figure that out. All right, so we'll get back on track somewhere down the, down the way. Um, but this morning is a little bit different. And uh, like I said, we've been walking through uh, John 9. We've been looking at the story of the man who was born blind. It's a fascinating story where, where we see that, that Jesus sees a man who is blind. He heals the man miraculously. And then that man is presented with an opportunity to share his testimony and story with several different crowds of people. And there's so many different things happening in this story. And so uh, the past several weeks, we kind of broke that down into two sermons. Uh, not only is Jesus healing the man who is born blind, and not only is there testimony of this man impacting a community and really forcing people to have to deal with Jesus. What do we do with Jesus? This man is truly healed. This man has truly been, uh, he was blind and now he sees. But here's what I also want you to see. Jesus is also instructing his disciples in the midst of this. In John 9, 3 through 5, Jesus comes and he sees the man and they, the disciples asked, why is this man blind? Was it because of his parents' sin? Was it because of his sin? And Jesus answers them and says, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And he went on and he said, we must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. And so we talked about, we are, we're called, and this is Jesus modeling the works that we are to do. And in John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the father. And so what we discussed last week is how this man who was born blind, but now sees became a bold witness for God, right? And I mentioned that I wanted to give us a posture of our hearts to be a bold witness for God and not so much how to be a bold witness for God. And so last week, we, we talked a lot about the heart posture. How do we get into a place? We saw the power of story. We saw the power and miracle of transformation. We saw stepping into a place of resistance and experiencing some of that rejection and being cast out from those leaders. And then we saw the people that God uses, the people of redemption. And this man had a powerful story of transformation. He stepped into a place of resistance and rejection. He shared his testimony, which was simply, I'm blind. I was blind and now I see. And this is the type of person that, that God uses. People who are needy 
before God, people um, that have no other prerequisites to be used in the kingdom of God other than, God, I want to be used by you. And God comes in and works amongst him and moves powerfully. And he comes and he works and moves in us and sets us on mission. So today we talked about the heart posture and things that we are going to encounter when we be a bold witness for God. This week, I want to move us into how do we actually be a bold witness for God? Let's get some tools. Now, I, I'm, doing, I'm doing this because there were several responses from this last week's message. And honestly, it's, it's been encouraging and, and awesome. I've appreciated the questions and, and really desire to take it further than we took it last week. Uh, some of the questions I got this week, how do I share my story of transformation? I don't have a story of transformation. What does that look like? Which is awesome. I'm thankful for that question. Uh, who do I share my story with? Um, what how do I communicate my story? Uh, people asked questions about, uh, last week I shared a story about engaging someone in a coffee shop and someone said, well, what, what were you going to say? Like, I kind of stepped back from, from being bold and proclaiming my faith. And someone said, hey, what were you going to communicate? Like, give me the information. Like, tell me what you were going to say. And I love it because these are great questions that surface and they're really showing that Jesus is at work in our body here at Church of the Valley. And what I mean by that is this. For over the past uh, three months, we started the year focusing on a passage in the Psalms, Psalm 27.4, that says, one thing I've asked of the Lord, that that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Here's what I know to be true. If you spend enough time around Jesus, if you spend enough time with Jesus, if you abide in Jesus, here's what I, here's what I know to be true. You're going to want others to know him. You're going to want others to share in that good news. And I love that our posture this morning and the questions that are surfacing, our community group had a great time discussing uh, what does it look like to share and be equipped with our story? And even someone in our community group this week said, hey, will you pray for me? I'm, gonna, I, I'm wanting to step out and be bold. Here's four people that I want to share this gospel message with this week. And I'm, I'm praying and asking for boldness to go and do that this week. Will you pray with me? And I, I love that because that's growing out of a place and posture of abiding with Jesus. This is the fruit of when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we gaze upon him, when we see his beauty and our eyes are filled with Jesus and our lives are saturated with Jesus, we want to go and saturate others others lives with the good news of Jesus. And so people are asking, how do I take this message beyond me? And I love that. You want to be a conduit of the good news of the gospel. And that's exactly what the Lord wants for you. What God does in you, he also wants to do through you. You are a conduit of his grace 
and mercy to others. He adopts you into a family so that you can be family to others. Jesus serves you by sacrificing his life and going to the cross so that you would be his servants. And Jesus sends and empowers the Holy Spirit to bring about regeneration in your life so that you would be a part of his sent ambassadors to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus. So this morning is different than a typical morning. We're gonna put some tools in your pocket, okay? Like you got a tool belt on, and, and maybe you got some tools in there, but we're going we're gonna to resource you. Like, you, welcome to Home Depot, all right? You just walked into Home Depot this morning, and we're going to put some tools in your tool belt. Now, I'm going to have somebody come and pass out a pen and a piece of paper and a prayer card, okay? Everyone's going to get one. I got some people who are already uh, helping with that. We're going to pass those out. Everybody needs a pen, a piece of paper, and a prayer card, Okay, as that's coming around, here's what I want to say. Um, There are some who are here this morning. It's like, hey, I don't know that that I should be here. Like, I'm just curious about Jesus. I'm checking out Jesus. This is my first time even maybe possibly stepping into church. Awesome. This morning, we're talking about not only what is a disciple, but what does a disciple do? And so it's great that you're here. If you're considering what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus, well, that's Good information to know, right? Like you're going to know this morning, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Now, here's what I know when, when it comes to equipping your tool belt with tools, okay? And here's why I'm hesitant to do so. So it's with hesitancy when I was sitting there yesterday and I'm like, oh man, I feel like I'm supposed to do this, but there's some hesitation, I I messaged our pastors. I was like, hey, here's what I'm thinking about doing tomorrow. I'm kind of changing things up. What do you think about this? And, And here's why I'm hesitant to do so. It's easy for us to become very dependent upon tools rather than dependent upon the Holy Spirit, okay? I want you to hear this. It's these tools that I'm giving you and resourcing you with this morning are not silver bullets, Okay, these tools and resources that I'm equipping you, um, we're not hoping to put our hope in these tools as the thing that's going to change Salt Lake City. Okay, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in Jesus who is moving, who is intervening, who is changing lives. That's our hope. And we're just wanting to be tools in God's hands and say, God, use us. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, I'm a tool. All right. Wonderful. Welcome to church. All right. I'm a tool. We're a tool. God wants to use us. God wants to use us. And so this morning, I'm just trying to put tools in our hands. And, and, and again, welcome to Home Depot. How can we be faithful to the Great Commission and put ourselves in conversations with people to see what God might do? That's what we want to do. We want to, we want to, resource ourselves. We want to put ourselves in conversations and we want to see what God might do. Here's the other thing I want to be, make sure that we're like, I, I, I want to be a little bit hesitant of and make sure we can have all the tools in the world and not have compassion for people who are far from God. Do you hear that? We can have all the tools in the world and not have compassion for those who are far from God. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus saw people. It wasn't, Jesus wasn't just relaying a message. Jesus came and was with people. 
Jesus came down into our brokenness with people. He saw them in their need and his heart broke for people. I'm praying that our heart would break for the lostness of Salt Lake Valley, for people who are far from God, for people like us who once were far from God, but God in his grace and mercy reached down and saved us and transformed us and opened our eyes. We want people to experience that good news as well. Jesus cares for people. Jesus is not just sharing information. If it was just the transmission of information, we would only need a message of God, not the man of God. Okay? So Jesus, God didn't just send us a message. He sent us a person, God in the flesh, Jesus. Jesus comes down the world. It's God with us. We needed more than just a message. We needed the man of God in the flesh with us. And so we have to embody this message, okay? Bring warmth to this message of good news. Uh, Yesterday, we were at a memorial service here in our building, and there was a, a phrase in a song that says, I'm looking for a savior I can see and know and touch, one who dwells within the midst of us. And that's what we want people to experience. Not one person can be Jesus to our city. Did you know that you're not Jesus? You can't go and attempt to be Jesus. You were never meant to be Jesus. You're not the savior of the world. But In 1 Corinthians, it actually tells us that we, as the church, are the body of Christ, and we represent to our city what Jesus is like. And so we, corporately, get to reveal Jesus to our city. So, this morning, we want to have heart, we want to have compassion, And we want to experience the love of Jesus as we represent Jesus as ambassadors here on earth, okay? So again, my style of teaching is going to be a little bit different this morning. It's not teaching, it's training. Teaching conveys information. Training, we're conveying skills, okay? Which means I'm expecting you for what we do, and I'm going to kind of walk through your piece of paper and why you have a piece of paper this morning, because it's going to be a tool. And our hope is at the end of this morning, you're going to be able to train someone else to do this. Okay. So we're conveying skills this morning. I want you to know this very same thing that you're about to see today. My 13 year old daughter was equipped in and she, we came upstairs and she was equipping her brothers in this. Had a whiteboard out, walking through each sheet. You can do this, church, all right? You got this. And so that's what we're, uh, we're gonna do this morning. So I want you to take your piece of paper and fold it in half, similar to this, okay? Fold your piece of paper in half. This is what we're calling the 411, okay? Now you might ask, what in the world is 411? If you're older in the room, you may remember dialing 411 and you get an operator and you could get some information. Well, that term was hijacked. It's like, hey, give me the 411. Give me the information on this. So this morning, we're giving you the 411 on gospel saturation, okay? This is the 411 on gospel saturation. You know what it is? Four questions, one piece of paper in less than one hour, okay? Four questions, one piece of paper, less than one hour. Now, it might take you an hour actually to explain it, but I'm gonna do it really quick this morning for us because they, they always tell me I go too long and they're like, hey, 
you got to keep it to 40 minutes, okay? So today's the 4140. Okay, 4140. The 411 on gospel saturation. So you folded your paper in half, and we're going to, I want you to write at the top of your page the first question. The first question is, why? Why do we want to participate in gospel saturation? Okay? Now, right underneath why, I want you to draw a box. I'm already drawing it too big. And write this verse that we already covered, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. That's going to be our verse that we walk through this morning. I'll read it again to us. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So here's what we have in this. We have command... And we have creation. I'll explain these. Jesus gives us a command in this passage. What is the command? Go. All right, so we're to go. We're to make disciples. We're to baptize. And so we see this idea of gospel saturation in this passage. We have a command, but we also have creation. And this may not easily jump off the page to us in this text, But what we see in this is we have a new creation. We have become disciples of Jesus. Make disciples. Now, obviously, if you're making disciples, you have become a disciple. So here's what I want to do this to start us off. You can draw a triangle right underneath that, okay? I want you to write the word disciple in that box. We are disciples, we are a new creation as 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We're new creatures. What's interesting in this passage, though, is we need to realize who we are before we discover what we do, which determines the why. You've heard us, and if you have the Gospel of John journals, you'll read in there, it says, who is God? What has God done? Who am I? How do I live? How we live is always based on our identity. So in this passage, this is an identity passage. Our identity determines how we live. It says in this passage that you've been baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. What that means when you've been baptized in the name of something, you take on that identity, okay? So you've taken on the identity. You've taken on the identity of the Trinitarian God. There's a baptismal identity. When you're buried with Christ in his death and raised to walk in a new way of life, you've been baptized in this Trinitarian identity. Now, here's what I want you to see. Jesus fills our lives as disciples of Jesus, and we are a new creation. And so we've been baptized in the name of the Father. Write that on the top. Son, and Holy Spirit. So if we've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, here's what I'm saying. You didn't choose 
to be these things. This is your identity. You didn't choose to be witnesses. He says in Acts 1.8, you are my witnesses. So what is the Trinitarian identity? And here's what I want to help explain. Because God is our Father, if we've been baptized in the name of the Father, we are sons and daughters of God our Father. We are family. We're family, which means we love one another. We care for one another. We see the needs of one another, and and we seek to be family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. God is our father. And so this is our, our family identity comes from God being our father. The second thing I want you to see is because we're baptized in the name of the son, the son came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. We are servants. I'll go ahead and write the last one. We are missionaries. So if you ask me, what is a disciple of Jesus? A disciple of Jesus is someone who becomes part of the family of God as a servant missionary. This is who we are in Jesus. This is our identity. So all of these identities, though, come from what Jesus has done, what God has done for us. He's adopted us into a family, and we want to be invitational and invite others into the family. Jesus Christ has sacrificed for us and has served us and has given his life, and we want to be servants to our community, to our city, to others in the body of Christ. We are servants. And in the same way that the Holy Spirit came and revealed to us the true nature of our sin and also who God is and revealed to us the good news of Jesus, and in the same way that the Holy Spirit was sent, we are the sent ones of Jesus. We are the ambassadors of reconciliation, the ministers of reconciliation, God's ambassadors, his representatives to show the world what God is like. And so in this, we become missionaries. So we're a family of servant missionaries. And if you journeyed with us, if you were like, hey, I was here in the early days when Church of the Valley was called Ecclesia. There was a giant banner that used to say, family, servant, missionaries. This is our identity. If you've gone through our joining the family, we talk about family, servant, missionaries. This is who we are. This is our God-given identity. And so as a family of servant missionaries, we are sent not on an individual mission, but a corporate mission. We need to ask ourselves, this is the why, because God blessed us to be a blessing, God caused these things in us. He adopted us. He served us. He sent the Holy Spirit. Now we are his sent ones. This is our baptismal. Say, you with me? With me. Okay. So this is the why. If this is the why, we have to ask the question, but who are we on mission to? This is the second question. Second question, right at the top of your page. I'm going to delete this. Second question is who? Who? We'll go back to our passage in Matthew 28. Who does it say that we're to go to? All the world. 
All the nations. Now, this can be intimidating. Let's write that down. All nations. The whole world. That's the world. Look how big it is. We got to go to all the world. That seems outrageous, right? How are we going to take the gospel to all the world? And a lot of times when we look at the entire world, we can easily become overwhelmed, right? It's easy for us to look at the whole world and go, where do we even start? How do, how do we begin this? And I remember sharing with people, like, we want to saturate the Salt Lake Valley with the good news of Jesus. And people are like, whoa, that's huge. There's like 3.2 million people across the Salt Lake Valley. And so when you think about that, how are we going to do that? Well, let me give you a very easy way to think about this. It begins with you. You're right here in the middle. And your life has been saturated with the good news of Jesus. Okay? So that's a cross in the middle. You got you to be able to depict what I'm writing here. So our lives are saturated with the good news of Jesus. It's easy for us to attempt to be a part of the mission of God, but not be empowered by the power of God, which is why it's important that it starts with us. In John chapter 15, verse five, it says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And it's important to know that. If our lives aren't saturated, which is why we said, hey, we need to come back to a place of abiding in Jesus. If we're not abiding in Jesus, if we're not seeking Jesus, if we're not fixing our gaze and inquiring in his temple, if that's not our, our, then we don't want to go and attempt the mission of God. We will be burnt out. We will be tired. It will be burdensome because we're attempting to do it in our own power. But when Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God fills our lives and our lives are saturated, it's like a cup and it begins to flow out into those that are in proximity to us. So I want you to think about who are the people that are in proximity to you, okay? So as this begins to flow out from us, I'm gonna write F and F because I don't have much room. Family and friends, there are family and friends that are in that outer circle. These are the people who have the closest proximity to you. Think about people who live in your home, people that you see on a regular basis, people that you are going to pass walking through your dining room. Oh, hey, other person. Think about the people that you, um, you, you begin to flow out and we, we're thinking of, classmates and coworkers. So I'm going to go C and C. Classmates and coworkers. So these are people, you know, we walk into the office and we pass their cubicle every day. And these are people that we go, you know, man, I, they're, they're far from God. And we want them to know the good news of Jesus. And so as our lives begin to be saturated with the good news of Jesus, it flows out to family and friends. It flows out to classmates and coworkers. And then we think about outside of that, you know, it, we got neighbors. Neighbors, people who live around us on our block in our neighborhood. There's people, neighbors. And then even outside of that is acquaintances. I can't spell. I don't know. A, A and O, acquaintances and others. Let's do that. 
acquaintances and others. And here's what I I want you to begin processing this morning. I want you to think through these concentric circles and go and, you know, like when we begin to see this outer ring and go, we want to see the gospel go to the whole world. That may seem overwhelming, but we can begin thinking and processing through a few people who we can begin proclaiming the good news of Jesus to. Some of those are in our home. Some of those are in our family. Some of those are are people that we see on a regular basis. Some of those are in our neighborhood. And we have to identify who those people are. If we're going to reach the nations, we got to begin with a few. And so who's your few? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to draw three lines. I'm going to put it over here on the side, but you can keep going down. I want you to identify three people. And... I want you to write down their their first name. Three people that you would say, hey, I really want to see these people. I'd love to see these people come to know the good news of Jesus. And we're going to pray for them in a little bit. Um, And you, you were given a prayer card, and it's got three spots on there. And you're welcome to write those three names on that card as well. But here's what's amazing about this is because we think about our circle, but in reality... Every one of us has a circle, a sphere of influence, people that we're connected to. And so you don't have to draw this on your paper, but I just want to show like when we got someone else over here who's saturated with the good news of Jesus, and that begins to spread out, and someone else who's saturated with the good news of Jesus, and that begins to spread out, and then these relationships begin connecting, we can begin to see how the valley can truly be saturated with the good news of Jesus because everyone's connected. And so we see someone reached with the gospel and through proclaiming the good news of Jesus, we see whole households come to faith. What a gift, what a blessing. And then we see their relationships and each one of them have a sphere of influence, people that they're connected to. But we can't forget, apart from him, we can do nothing. It all starts in abiding with Jesus. Okay, so this is our who. Once you have peoples and places, names and faces, all right, and maybe if you're having trouble identifying three people in your life who don't know the good news of Jesus, I would encourage you to pray into the harvest, like pray and ask that the Lord would open your eyes to see people the way Jesus sees people, to see the needs around us the way Jesus sees people, Once we know that, we have to ask ourselves, what kind of rhythms would I participate in? What do I do? Okay, so we know the why. We've been given a baptismal identity. I'm a family of servant missionaries. We are a family of servant missionaries, right? We we are to reach all nations, and we do that as we move out of our sphere of influence, and we see the people around us who don't know the good news of Jesus. What do I do? That's great. Here we go. Next page, what? You guys with me? Okay. This is the question that most of us are asking. What? What do I do? Again, we go back to that passage in Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, we're to make disciples, we're to baptize them, we're to teach them, observe all that I've commanded you, okay? 
So the way I would explain this to us this morning is demonstration and and proclamation, okay? Demonstration and proclamation. Demonstration and proclamation. So in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, we see God speaking to Abraham, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Everything we have received, we're meant to be a conduit of blessing to others, okay? So we want people, like, we want to live into our full identity of who Jesus has called us to be so that we can help others step into their full identity. We want to teach them all that, that, that has been commanded of us. And so how do we go and be a blessing? Okay? We've been blessed to be a blessing. I'm going to have to erase the board and I'll come back and uh, finish this page. But you can write the acronym halfway down your page, BLESS. You also have it on your prayer card there. So when we think about the idea of blessing our city, we want to be a blessing. Church of the Valley wants to be a blessing to our city. We want people to go, we are so thankful that Church of the Valley is in Sandy, Utah. We are so thankful that it's here in our community. We're so thankful that it's here in our neighborhood because those people who who call Church of the Valley home live as a family of servant missionaries sent to be a blessing. They have been blessed to be a blessing. God has blessed them to be a blessing. And so how do we bless? Bless, listen, eat, speak, Sabbath. Here's what I'd say. These are the rhythms of our life. So we have to be intentional about these rhythms. If we're going to be effective in being a blessing, we have to be intentional. We can have the best intentions of, of, you know, like, hey, I want to be a blessing. But like, how do we actually schedule it? And and we're going to have to reorient our lives to be a blessing to other people. But we're going to do that. Why? Because we go back to the why. Because The Lord Jesus Christ has sacrificed for us. And we want to be sacrificial and and not self-serving. We want to be selfless and give to others. And so we're going to have to reorient our lives to be a blessing to other people. And so I want to explain each of these really quickly. Bless. What would it just look, if you were to think through your concentric circles, the who you're trying to effectively reach, what does it look like to be a blessing to them? Well, let's say this afternoon I was at Smith's grocery store and you know what? I found out cookies are buy one, get one free. And rather than taking two dozen cookies for myself, I was like, you know what? I bet, I bet my friend who I love and I'm concerned for and I want to see the good news of Jesus come into their life, I want to be a blessing to them. So I'm going to go give them the dozen cookies, okay? Very simple, You can be uh, as creative with that as you want. What would it look like for you to be a blessing for those people that you're praying for, the who that you're trying to effectively reach? Listen, everyone has a story. No one's willing to listen to it. Everyone has a story. Our hope and our desire is we want to get to know their story because in knowing their story, we can speak good news into their story. We can speak the good news of the gospel into their story. So how do you make time for those people? 
Hey, what's your story? Hey, what's your journey? Hey, what's going on in your life? Hey, tell me what's heavy. Tell me what's on your heart. Ask good questions. Listen to people's story. Eat. Here's the thing. Unless you're intermittent fasting, if you're into that, I'm not into that. You eat 21 meals a week, okay? Surely we can have one of those 21 with someone that is in those circles that we're praying for and we're wanting them to experience the good news of Jesus, right? Now, here's the thing. Again, you may be like, this, you're just heaping things. The Lord has blessed us. The Lord listens to us. The Lord is so kind. The Lord feeds us and provides for us. The Lord speaks good news over our life and the Lord gives us Sabbath rest. All we're doing is we're blessed to be a blessing. The Lord has done these things for us. Eat, share a meal, speak and proclaim the good news of Jesus. We're gonna talk about how we do that, proclamation. Sabbath, rest and recreate. What do you enjoy doing? Invite people to go do that with you. And so these are the rhythms of life that we want to step in. Proclamation, okay? Here we go. I'm gonna erase this. You can keep on the same page. Proclamation right underneath that. I'm gonna give you two things. Proclamation. And this is what I call your 15-second story. Now, I had a lot of people ask questions about that this week. And here's what I would say. Intro, Jesus, question. We look back into the chapter, John chapter 9, okay? In John 9, what was the man's testimony? He was blind, and now he sees. That's it. Let me, let me ask you, what is your 15-second story of transformation of when you met Jesus? And so I want you to begin your 15-second story with an intro that basically says, there was a time in my life when I, and I want you to come up with two to three phrases. And I want you to, I'm, I'm asking you to write these down right now. Two to three phrases that describe your life before you met Jesus. Before you met Jesus, two to three phrases that describe your life. My phrases, searching, this is mine, meaning, purpose. There was a time in my life where I was searching for meaning and purpose. This is my gospel story. But then I met Jesus. And Jesus invited me into a grand adventure. Do you have a story like that? 15 second story. What is your 15 second story? There once was a time in my life. That's the intro. And again, I'm giving you tools and they can seem real mechanical. But here's what I'm saying. It takes practice over time as you begin. And I would tell you to not change this, but to imitate it over and over. Get comfortable sharing your story over and over and over, and then begin to innovate. But there was a time in my life when I was searching for meaning and purpose. And Jesus met me and invited me into a grand adventure. Question, do you have a story like that? 
So I've invited a few people this morning that uh, have already kind of walked through this equipping. I want them to come and share their story. If you guys would come on up, I'm just going to pass the mic down. Your 15-second story to give you some ideas. This is the story of I was blind and now I see. Start us. There once was a time in my life when I was on a path pursuing unconditional love and affection from people. And in that, I used people for my own self and hurt people in that. But then Jesus found me, saved me, and put me on a path that would lead to him where he filled me with unconditional love. And I didn't have to look for that in others. Do you have a story like that? Do you have a story like that? Question. There once was a time in my life when I was fearful of death, fearful of what other people thought of me, and my brokenness hurt people. Then Jesus came into my life and made me see my fearfulness and brokenness and made me feel safe, clean, and freed. Do you have a story like that? There was a time in my life when I was alone and struggling for direction. My sister invited me to church, and I reconnected with Jesus. I immediately received his spirit of peace, love, and I've had daily direction ever since. Do you have a story like that? There was a time in my life when I thought knowing Jesus was about going to church and obeying all the rules. But then I looked around at myself and I realized that I didn't look any different, really, than other people who weren't going to church and weren't obeying all the rules. And then Jesus came into my life, and I realized that he lived in my heart, and he really wanted to know who I was, and he wanted me to know him. And my life hasn't been the same since then. How about you? Do you have a story like that? There was a time in my life I was confused. I was rebellious. I was lost. I gravitated toward whatever made me feel good, and I always felt empty. And then Jesus met me and gave me peace and forgiveness, and now I have hope, I have joy, I have purpose. You guys have a story like that. Awesome. Give these guys a round of applause. Now, again, you may be looking at it like, where in the world am I going to deploy this technique. I cannot tell you how often you can build that into conversation. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? Man, I'm doing, I'm on a grand adventure with the Lord. There once was a time in my life when it wasn't like that. I was searching for meaning and purpose, but Jesus pursued me and brought me into a grand adventure. And they're like, dang, that's awesome. Yeah, you got a story like that? You want to have a story like that? I would encourage you to begin thinking through Jesus transforms. All what we're doing here is the world is full of brokenness. And Jesus is the answer to all the brokenness of our world. Jesus is the one who speaks into the brokenness. So what was broken? How did Jesus fix it? I love uh, our son, Jet. He's not in here today. But Jet, uh, Lila Kate led Jet to figure out his 15 second story. And we were, uh, we were hearing it, and Jet's story was basically like, before, um, there was a time in my life I was like a broken toy. 
And I loved it because it's exactly, he comes into our brokenness and he puts it back together and repurposes it and we're made brand new. That's the gift of this 15 second story. A lot of times we think and we get so lost and going like, what do I share? How do I communicate the good news of the gospel? And really there's just a simple to share. I was blind and now I see. Really simple 15 second story. Now, moving beyond that, I want to give you, and this is still on the what, okay? So we talked about, we live in these rhythms. We proclaim our 15 second story, but how do you actually proclaim what Jesus has done? And this is what I call two kingdoms, okay? So if you're already to the bottom of your page, I messed you up, but you're supposed to stay on that same page. Here we go. Two kingdoms. There are two kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness, God, okay? Over here, the kingdom of God. There's two kingdoms. And I've come to realize in in these these two kingdoms, we see these two kingdoms around us all the time. We see the kingdom of darkness in the brokenness of the world. There's a lot of brokenness in the kingdom of darkness. We see that in injustices in our world. We see that in death. We see that in sickness. We see that in pain. We see that in relational conflict. We see that in financial conflict. But we also see in the kingdom of God, beauty and creation, love of friends and family. And the difference in these two kingdoms is their king. The kingdom of God has a king and their king is Satan. The kingdom of God has a king and this kingdom is Jesus, sorry. Satan is over the kingdom of darkness. Jesus is over the kingdom of God. The kingdom of darkness is Satan. And if I had to describe one word for Satan, it's that he is a liar. Satan is a liar. The biggest lie he tells us is that we can be our own king. And initially, that sounds great. If I am my own king, then I set the agenda. I get to do what I want. It's about me and my happiness. But if I'm king, I have to deal with all of this brokenness that's in the world. I have to come up with a solution in the world that's around me. And people deal with brokenness in different ways. And so all of us want to get out of the brokenness of our world, right? So we want to get out of the brokenness. There's not a person I know that doesn't want to get out of the brokenness of of our world. And so we turn to things, sex, alcohol, and drugs. I'll call that sad. We look to these things to numb the brokenness of our world, right? We uh, look to things like career or finances. If we can just get enough of these things, then I can overcome the brokenness of our, our world do that with a money sign. There's some people that say, if, if I'm just good enough, maybe I'll, I'll use church and even religion. I'll do a church. And if I'm good enough, then, then you know, I can get out of the brokenness. And all of these work for a little bit. But ultimately, 
the brokenness rushes back in. In the kingdom of God, I said there's another king, and this is King Jesus. And one word that describes Jesus is love. A heart there. The kingdom of God is descriptive of love. And the greatest display of Jesus' love is that Jesus came down in all the brokenness of our world. And it's in that he would take on all of our mess. He would live a perfect sinless life. And then he would go to a cross and take on all our sin and brokenness and hurt. He pays for it with his life. And what happens is he comes down into the brokenness and he goes to the cross and they bury him. But on three days later, Jesus gets up from the grave. He walks out of the tomb. He's victorious over Satan, sin, and death. And actually Jesus becomes, I'll put another crown here. He becomes Lord over everything. He's Lord over everything. He sees us in our brokenness. We're over here. And he invites us out of it. He invites us out of our brokenness to come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. And the only thing he asks us to do is to take off our crown. That we can't be king. To recognize we're not the authority. That he is Lord and Savior. Not trusting in what I have done or what I could do. I'm trusting in Jesus. This is the gospel message. Now, again, I can give you 15 different ways that you can share this message through the story of God, through three circles, through two kingdoms. But again, I want to, again, you're walking into Home Depot. We're giving you a tool to deploy. This will take practice. You'll you'll have to practice this and, and share this. Now, three follow-up questions that you can write down are this. One, which kingdom are you in? Which kingdom are you in? The kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of God? Second question, where do you want to be? And the third question is, what is holding you back? What is holding you back? Okay, last page, four. This one's quick. I want you to write the question when at the top. So we did why, who, what, when do we do this? Well, if we were to read this text, um, it says to go, therefore make disciples. When, if you were reading this text, when do you think he intended them to begin? Right then. Okay, so here's what I'm encouraging you to do. When are we going to do this? We're going to do it right now, today, immediately, okay? So here's what I want you to do. Pray, share, train. This is what I want on your page. Pray. Who are you going to pray for? Who are you going to begin praying for this week? Here's what I will tell you. Uh, There's a group of brothers and sisters who are 
effectively seeing people come to faith in Jesus all across this valley. And I'm, I'm telling you, they're, they're not even getting to share. I had, a, I had a brother, Derek, reach out to me and he said, uh, hey man, I just want you to know, there's, there's two people that I wrote down on my card. I didn't even get an opportunity to share and they called me up and said that they've trusted in Jesus as Lord and they want to be baptized. He's like, I've just been faithful to pray for them. We don't change or transform hearts. Jesus does. So we don't control the change in the lives of people. Here's what I, we can control who we pray for and when we pray for them. And so ultimately we have to say, when, when will we get serious and move to a place of compassion for the lost, to see the brokenness and faithfully every day be willing to pray for people who don't know Jesus and pray that they would come to know Jesus. Again, I'm gonna take us all the way back to the gospel because I don't want us to miss this. We are a family of servant missionaries. So we reorient our lives to serve the good of others, to be a blessing because we've received blessing. This is our gospel motivation of the why. And so like we should be compelled and moved. And as the scriptures read, as we quoted a few weeks ago, the love of God controls us, compels us, moves us to go. And so are we praying regularly? So some people like set their clock for 10.02 every day. Why? Because you look at Luke 10.2 and it says to pray for, harbor, for uh, laborers to go into the harvest. So every day at Luke 10.2, you got an alarm going and you pray for people regularly to know the good news of Jesus. Are you praying for them? Are you praying for them? Here's what I would say. If we don't pray, the likelihood of them coming to know the good news of Jesus is very unlikely. Okay? Pray. Pray, pray. It's not all up to us, but we get to partner with the God of the universe. Why would we not want to participate in seeing someone come to know the good news of Jesus? Pray, Um, share. When are you going to share your story? I'm talking about your 15 second story. Who are you going to share that with this week? And when are you going to do it? You got to share your 15 second story. Now, here's the tendency in doing like a setting like this. Some of you are just looking at me and you're not writing, okay? And again, I'm going, guys, you want to see the miracle of transformation happen in someone's life? Who are you going to share your story with this week? Step out, be bold, press into a place of resistance, be used by God, see the miracle of transformation happen in someone's life. Who are you going to share with? When are you going to do it? Train. These four pages that we went over today, you, you get to, who are you going to train this week? You get to equip other people in this this week. There are people in your community group who are not here this, this morning, and you get to equip them. You should meet them up. You should call them this week and say, hey, we should get together. I should tell you what we learned on Sunday, and uh, let's, get, let's get going. So who are you going to train? When are you going to do this? Here's what, I, what I'll close with, and I'll go ahead and invite the worship team to come back up. What I want you to see, because this passage doesn't end there. And I think it, it ends there and we're like, okay, we're doing this. Like we, we've received this blessing from the Lord. We've received our baptismal identity. We know we're a family of servant missionaries. We know who we're called to take the gospel to. We know what we need to communicate now. Uh, we, we, have told, we know when we're gonna do it and who we're gonna do that with this week. 
the last thing I want to share with you is where that passage ends. It says, and I'm going with you. Jesus is going with us. Jesus is going with us. The quote that we, we read last week, Leslie Newbigin says, I think that the deepest motive for mission is simply a desire to be with Jesus where he is. You know where Jesus is? He's on the frontier of mission. He's going and he's pursuing people's hearts and lives. We just simply want to be where Jesus is. Jesus is saying, I'm going with you. Let's take the gospel to a people who desperately need the good news. Our, we're living in a city, in a place that is, is experiencing the kingdom of darkness. Everything is broken. Just ask people. Just ask people, hey, what's going on? What's, what's, what's hard? Where, where are you struggling? What do you need prayer for? And I guarantee you what's gonna surface in life is kingdom of darkness. Satan is ruling over the lives of people across the city. And we wanna invite people out in the same way that Jesus invites people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, where love can be experienced, where light is experienced, where sin is no longer hidden, but it's exposed and we feel free. And it's in the kingdom of God in that place that we are, we are truly set free. And so we get to participate in that and he goes with us. Here's what I want to say this morning. Um, I hope, I hope uh, you don't leave this morning with just a bunch of tools. I, my, my, my biggest fear in doing this this morning and teaching this is that you'll try to go make disciples of Jesus without Jesus. And so you got to be filled with him. And so that's why even when you look at these miracles of transformation, I say, hey, if we want to live in this idea and this reality of the kingdom of God and go see mission take place, man, we, we got to be filled with Jesus. And so we're going to move into a time of response this morning. And here's three responses that I'm going to give you. Number one, there's some of you who hear this story and this explanation, sorry, explanation this morning that you go, you know what? If you were to ask me which kingdom am I living in, I'm living in the kingdom of darkness. That's an experience of my life. I'm living in the brokenness of my sin, the brokenness of the sins of others. I'm experiencing all of the brokenness. And I've attempted to get out of the brokenness in my own strength, in my own ways. And I've not yet trusted in Jesus. And I've not laid down my crown. I've attempted to be king over my own life. And I've not taken off my crown and surrendered to Jesus. And this morning, you need to surrender to Jesus. I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come front and be up front. And there's some here this morning that need to give their life to Jesus. There's some here that, that Lord is compelling you and moving you long before like I'm calling and convincing. The Lord's been working on your heart this morning. The Lord is stirring something in you. And in some ways, you're like, I don't know, am I getting emotional about this? Here's the deal. The Lord works through emotions. The Lord is moving. He is working. He's gripping. How many of us emotionally don't want to be in the mess that we've been in? We want to be set free. And so we got to take off our crown. We need to surrender to Jesus and step into the kingdom of God, recognizing what Jesus has come to do for you and I. 
He came into the brokenness. He went to the cross. He took in all the mess, all the wrath of God so that we might be set free. And some of us this morning, we need to come and put our faith and trust in Jesus. And this team can lead you into doing that. All you need to do is come up and say to them, I need to know Jesus. I, I wanna come to know Jesus this morning. I wanna know him. I wanna surrender. I wanna lay down my crown, not be my authority, trust in him. That's somebody this morning. Some of us, we have people that we're longing to come to know Jesus. Our hearts are breaking for people to know Jesus. We have people in our families that we dearly love, that we are moved towards compassion and loss. When Jesus looked upon a city, he said they are like sheep without a shepherd. He longed to be their good shepherd. He longed to be the one who would lead them. And this morning, your heart breaks. I'm gonna pray and ask that you would come this morning and that the front of this room would just be an altar to come and submit those to him. To know that we are powerless over the hearts of people. To know that there is nothing compelling about our 15 second story that can change or transform someone's life. But this morning we'll come and we'll kneel and surrender to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you change this person's heart? And I'm praying that even as we kneel this morning, that God is changing and transforming hearts all over the world. Third, there may be some other weight or responsibility or heaviness that has you burdened this morning. We read in the story of John chapter nine, a man born blind of going like in his blindness, how is he ever gonna participate in the mission of God? He just felt lonely, isolated. And maybe you're here this morning and there's a weightiness, there's a pain, there's a sickness. There's just a, a brokenness in your own life that you need prayer for this morning. And we wanna pray over you and we want you to be set free from that this morning so that you can participate and be filled with Jesus and participate fully in the mission of God. Here's the thing. I don't, need, I don't believe that you gotta be whole to be on mission with Jesus. He uses broken people all day. I'm one of them, right? But there's just a sense of like, I wanna be free from this weightiness. I need Jesus to come and remove this burden so that I can actually see the people around me who need Jesus. Maybe that's you this morning and you need to have someone pray. Let's stand together. I'm gonna pray for us. And there's responses. Some of us are coming to receive Jesus. Some of us are coming forward and laying people at the altar that we're praying for this morning. And the some are just coming and asking the Lord to remove burdens. Lord Jesus, would you move in this time of response this morning? Move in our hearts, move in our lives. Lord, would you save these people? Would you help them to know the good news of Jesus? Would you help them to see they have a father who loves them? You have a son who came, who sacrificed and died for them. And you've empowered us and given us the, the, the Holy Spirit to regenerate our hearts and bring new life. We need that this morning. Jesus, would you do that in our midst as we respond to you this morning? We pray in the name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. Let's respond and sing together. Let's